Today's episode of The Dad Chronicle is brought to you by Children Learning Reading. This is an incredible program that teaches kids as young as two years old how to read. This program was created by a veteran reading teacher, and it's a proven formula that enables any parent to easily teach their child how to become an amazing reader. And listeners of The Dad Chronicle can get this program for almost 70% off by heading over to Read. Dot the dad chronicle.com. Give your kids the head start on reading that they deserve. Again, you can head to read.thedadchronicle.com to redeem this discount offer. That's R-E-A-D dot the dad chronicle.com. Welcome back to the Dad Chronicle, where we share stories from dads all around the world. I'm your host, Alex Albisu. This is episode 132. On today's episode, I speak with a family member of mine, and he's a listener of the Dad Chronicle. It's Mike Hebebrand. Mike is a new dad, but he's also a firefighter. And along with that line of work, there's a lot of hazard involved. I wanted to bring him on so that he could share his story and his shift in perspective and context when it comes to doing his job, protecting others, and still making it home alive to his wife and his son. First, we talk about the moment he found out he was going to be a dad. My wife took the the pregnancy test. I, I heard her knock on the wall. And just being in, in my line of work, I jumped up thinking like, all right, something's wrong. Yeah. So I went running to the bathroom and, and she's standing there and she's like, babe, I'm pregnant. And I was just ecstatic. I, it was probably one of the happiest moments of my life. We talk about the challenges in navigating COVID in his line of work. We needed to to make sure that this person was going to be okay, that their significant other or their family relative, like we needed to take care of them. And they, they weren't allowed to come with us because of all the health issues and the, the risk of contaminating other people and exposing yeah. other people to the you know, this disease or, or any other thing that's going on. We talk about his career as a firefighter and how he has to have a bit of a shift in that perspective in how he approaches his job now that he's married and is a parent. If I don't slow down and, and you know, think things through and, and take things, you know, one step at a time, am I going to be able to come home? And finally, we talk about a shift in context and how he's perceiving the sometimes traumatic calls that he has to respond to now that he's a dad. I, I mean, I remember there's him uh, you know, kind of taking a little tumble down the steps and in my, I guess, playbook in my head of, of all the calls I've been on through the training is like, this qualifies for a traumatic injury. Like we need to go do this. And then looking at him, he's like, no, I don't get it. Here's my conversation with Mike Hebebrand. Mike Hebebrand, welcome to the Dad Chronicle. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you? Doing great, man. Happy to have you here on the show. Uh, why don't we take just a quick moment, introduce you to the audience at home. Uh, my name is Mike Hebebrand. I'm a firefighter EMT in Ohio. I have a wonderful son who's just over 14 months. His name's Parker and a wife. Uh, her name's Jenna. We've been married just over three years now. Oh my gosh. It's already been three years, dude. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And, and Mike is married to my wife's cousin wait did i say that right yes mike is married to yeah. my wife's cousin okay there <laughs> i had to like we're talking through for a second uh the degrees of separation uh but no it's uh i've, I've loved getting to know you throughout the years um i feel like you and i have built a good rapport and, and great relationship and love talking dad stuff with you i know that you're a listener of this show so thanks so much for listening and uh happy to see you filling the role of dad in such a great way we got to meet your little boy when we were up in ohio recently 
Uh, we brought Jake and Aria up there, and it was so fun watching the kids getting together. So uh, truly happy to have you here on the show. And we're going to be talking about some some topics as it pertains to your line of work, as you mentioned. But before we do that, why don't we talk just a moment about that moment where you became a dad? Let's actually start with the news of you be finding out you were going to be a dad. What, what was it like at that point? How excited were you? Talk us through what was going through your mind. Oh, I, I was absolutely in awe. Uh, the morning that, uh, my wife took the, the pregnancy test, I, I heard her knock on the wall and just being in, in my line of work. I jumped up thinking like, all right, something's wrong. Yeah. So I went run into the bathroom and, and she's standing there and she's like, babe, I'm pregnant. And I was just ecstatic. I, it was probably one of the happiest moments of my life. I, I grabbed her and just lifted her in the air and I twirled her around and just holding her tight. And then, you know, thinking about those moments, you know, later as you guys were going through the pregnancy, uh, what was your top of mind as you were getting ready to be a dad? What was kind of going through your mind, you know, as, as you were getting closer to the due date, how were you coping with the thought of becoming a dad and some of the excitement around that? Uh, a lot of it was just, you know, wondering if I was going to be a good dad. You know, I'm sure as every father has, has thought like, all right, well, you know, am I prepared? Am I going to to be able to to care for this new life that we we are bringing into this world? And you know, at, at the time he was being born, COVID was in its you know prime. Yeah. You know, we uh we weren't allowed to go to uh, many things like uh, the birthing class and you know a lot of those uh, classes that uh you know kind of prepare you and you know, let you know what's going to be happening. What's the next process? There was none of that. So it was, it was, it was very nerve wracking, but exciting. Yeah. And thinking about your situation in the line of work that you're in doing, you know, emergency services and everything, uh, thinking about what you've seen as far as COVID goes, what was it like for you in that context, knowing your wife was pregnant and going into the hospital, you know, having the baby delivered and everything like that, um, what was going through your mind uh, at, at that point, given the context of what you do? Uh, the biggest thing that I was is, is I was was I going to be allowed into the room? Uh, oh man! You know, at that time, nobody was allowed to do anything inside the hospital, and it was only you know the patients were allowed. Uh, whenever we would have somebody who would call nine one one, who uh, you know we would go and and help them, they were the only ones allowed to go to the hospital. Uh, family was not allowed to go. You know, they they would be asking us if they were allowed to come with us in the ambulance or if they could go to the hospital, and and we, unfortunately we had to tell them no that they you know, they weren't allowed to come into the ambulance and be with their loved one on the way to the hospital, or they weren't allowed to be sitting in the hospital room with them as they're you know dealing with either you know, whatever their their illness was at How that time. How hard, you know? right? Like, was it hard to have those conversations with people, or like, what was the typical back and forth there? A lot of people, I mean, they, they started understanding, you know, because of everything going on. But, uh, I mean, off the start, there was a lot of people who just wouldn't and couldn't just understand that, like, we needed to, to make sure that this person was going to be okay, that their significant other or their family relative, like, we needed to take care of them. And they, they weren't allowed to come with us because of all the health issues and the, the risk of contaminating other people. And exposing yeah. other people to the, the you know, this disease or, or any other thing that's going on. 
uh, if somebody is already having shortness of breath, we don't want to expose them to more people who could potentially have COVID at that time and make whatever their issue was worse. Yeah. And were you guys given any sort of, I don't know, training or any way to know how to handle those conversations? Uh, not really those conversations, but it was, we, we kind of talked to them on a, a, a human level. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if this was, you know, a relative of mine, you know, this is what I would do. Uh, we would tell them that, you know, we would take their phone number and when, when we take the person to the hospital, the hospital would have their phone number. So whenever, like every couple hours, they would get an update of, uh, you know, how their significant other was doing or their family member was doing. And then thinking about that actual moment of you holding Parker for the first time, and I, and I take it you were able to be in the room with Jenna when she gave birth. Is that right? Uh, at that time, yes. I was lucky enough that I was able to get into the room. Dude, good for uh, you, man. Things that started slowing down, and there were still procedures, you know, that we still had to follow. Right. Uh, the hospitals, you know, if you, if you left outside of your room, you had to have a mask on, mm-hmm. keep the social distancing, but... During the surgery, because uh, my wife ended up having a C-section, right, and we got there that morning, and it was it was quick getting from the the car into the, the surgery room. It was probably an hour. And you guys planned and, for a C-section, it, right? Correct. It was all planned, scheduled, and he decided he he did not want to flip. But uh, my my wife is a, a very small girl, and you know he was uh, an eight pound boy, and inside yeah. of a hundred and twenty pound. <laughs> soaking wet. <laughs> yeah, Jen is not Jen is not big by any stretch, so I don't think that there was much more room for Parker. He was close to like twenty inches long and eight pounds or something like that, and there was no room inside of her for for Dude, any kind of movement. Big boy, big boy. Man, we're all making big kids these days. Big kids. Oh yeah. Arya and Jake were both like nine over nine pounds, like just big babies. And then you holding Parker for the first time. You you come from the moment where you had a heart attack, where your your wife was knocking away, saying, "Oh my God, we're pregnant," to the point where you're able to hold that boy for the first time. What was going on in your brain? Uh, it just it, it's indescribable. I mean, it was probably one of the best feelings in the world. Sitting there holding my wife's hand as, as the doctor lifts him up and says, "Here's your your baby boy," and just seeing him just being held up there, almost like uh the scene from Lion King where, you, where Simba gets held up. It, it, it reminded me of that. And it was just a, a big, a, a big smile comes across my face now. Just thinking about it. What an amazing experience. And then, you know, holding him, holding your baby, I think for the first time is one of the most profound experiences that a dad could have. Uh, what was it like actually holding him? Uh, <laughs> exciting and scary at the same time like like this is this is my baby boy this is you know he's here he's you know this the whole time leading up through the pregnancy he's here i finally get to meet him this is you know it's it's awesome and scary at the same time but just just knowing that like i get to to wake up each morning i get to play with uh my son who is uh a big spitting image of both of us it's he is man he really is like a, a direct uh, straight 50 50 man there's no there's no like 
overwhelming, oh, he's Mike, oh, he's Jenna. No, it's like straight 50-50, dude. Yeah, and, and holding him when the, the nurses brought him over after the uh, they cleaned him up and everything and, and being able to hold him in my arms. And and they made me come in and sit down in a, a wheelchair as you know she's laying on the table. And I turned and, and showed Jenna our, our brand-new baby, uh, you know, she she's a, a huge smile and tears coming from her, her eyes. I got a big smile and holding him close. Let's take a very quick break for today's sponsor. Did you know that there is actually a wrong way to teach a child how to read? Turns out that sight reading is probably not the best way to teach your kids how to read because they end up associating an image with a sound, which isn't necessarily the right way to do it. Using phonics as a baseline to associate an actual sound that a letter makes is one of the major principles in this reading program, Children Learning Reading. And as you heard at the top of the show when we were talking about them, they actually have a proven methodology that's teaching kids as young as two years old how to read, and it's pretty incredible. I'm always looking for really good and valuable programs like this to tell my listeners about. And I would encourage you to take advantage of the deal that they're offering listeners of The Dad Chronicle by heading over to read.thedadchronicle.com. Take a look at some of the testimonials and some of the videos of kids reading. Learn more about the program for yourself and see if it's a good fit. I think that this is a really great opportunity to teach your kids young how to read and get them that head start before they actually go into preschool and kindergarten. So again, take advantage of the discount by heading over to read.thedadchronicle.com. And now back to the show. And now thinking about your specific line of work, you know, you've got Parker now in your life. You had been doing emergency services in some kind of form or fashion. I'll let you kind of talk to that. But I mean, you've been doing that for a number of years, right? Can you talk us through what your career, like where your career started and kind of to where you're at today? Uh, so when I first started, I was a, a volunteer firefighter in a, a small town over from where I am now, you know, kind of just learning the ropes and trying to figure things out. And then I got a full hired full time in uh, our town now and you know, moving my way up through the ranks, going on calls, you know, putting in my time. And now I'm a, a full time engineer driving one of the fire trucks here and spent uh, five years maybe on an ambulance and eight years now on the, the fire department. How different are the two? Oh, it's night and day. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, being on the ambulance, are, so when we get a call, it's uh, you know, about a minute uh, from the time of tones to the time that we're out the door and probably within five minutes of being at the person's house. The turnaround time from then is like an hour for on the ambulance from the time that you leave the station to the time you get back uh, being on the fire truck we're maybe 20 minutes oh wow that's that's quick i wouldn't have ever i wouldn't have ever it, thought that that's interesting and, and i'm and, and the calls are i mean i'm sure very different too right like you're you're dealing with two different issues typically right yes and no i mean we're, we're dealing with the same patients and we're we're, uh, we're all trained ems certified uh, mm. you know different levels between uh, basics and paramedics so the, the level of care that we can give is, is different but uh, responding is, is all the same the, the thing that's different is you know transporting to the hospital and right right and this is where I think the context is really important because in that line of work as I'm sure a lot of people 
listening could imagine you see some things and you experience some things you um you're dealing with people in very traumatic situations uh, what i want to focus on now is this shift of context when you're married without having kids or even before you're married you know there's a certain context that you have going into those calls i'm sure that uh dealing with kids in in these emergency situations and then once you have your baby boy, that context shifts. So let's talk about that and how you deal with that as a parent working in this in this line of work. Can you talk us through some situations that maybe some calls that you've had where you've experienced that shift in context? Yeah. So when I first started and, uh, you know, before being married, before having uh, the baby and before all that, just being a, a single man going into the fire service. I was very gung ho, ready to to go and just take on the world. Now, even through the progression of getting married, you know, just the thought of like, all right, if I don't slow down and, and you know think things through and and take things you know one step at a time, am I going to be able to come home? Now, uh, it's a, a completely different outlook. Uh, you know, going in a in the fires, it's something you think about it's like all right well i now have a family at home yes i i, I absolutely love my job but it's it's the career i'm going to be in for the next uh well now 20 years left but thinking you know along the family aspect it's you gotta be able to make it home to your family that by the way is such a an important piece of this you know line of work the the firefighting especially because my cousin is a firefighter and his wife is in you know, emergency response and everything. And she's actually, she got her nursing uh, degree and all that. Have you ever considered a shift in your line of work to something that would be a little less hazardous? Uh, or are you steadfast in, in what you're doing? Uh, I have. I've thought about, uh, actually just recently, uh, a maintenance spot came up that's now a full-time position for us. And uh, I, I thought about changing over to it and being home more, you know, obviously less dangerous, but I enjoy what I do. I, I enjoy helping people. Uh, I enjoy going to people's houses. And it, when they call, it's the, the worst day of their life that, you know, they're calling 911, something's wrong. And I, I enjoy be, being the, the, the person that they're calling to come and help. Where, what does that come from? Like, have you always wanted to be in this sort of role or or was this something that came on like later in your life? Uh, it definitely came on later. Uh, so both of my parents were in a, a public service career. Uh, my mom's a nurse. My dad was a, an officer at a state penitentiary. So it kind of just something uh, of the, the helping and the, the protecting kind of just came on to me. But uh, my uncle is a, a firefighter and I, I got to go and do a ride along with him and uh, the day that I, I rode with them, we, we went on a, a few medical calls and a structure fire. I'm like, I, I could see myself doing this. Yeah, I, I really enjoy this. Went and took the classes and and just and started enjoying every bit of my career. And yeah, that's important that you found a love for it that is you know kind of everlasting. Even even with all the hazard that goes along with it, that you still you know, love it. And, and now with this shift of context of you having a kid and some of the things that you're seeing, let's talk through some of that, you know, what's it like 
now having Parker in your life versus, you know, when you weren't married and, you know, kind of doing some of this stuff based on some of the experience and some of the calls that you've actually been on? I'm definitely more cautious between me and him. Uh, you know, I've gone into people's houses and, you know, obviously everybody's house is, uh, you know, they have their own lifestyle and, and things, but seeing everybody's houses and, and how I can help make my house better, like, uh, just in like baby proofing and getting it ready for, for this new boy who is uh, bouncing off the walls now and, everything that we could do to try and protect him and keep him somewhat safe. I, I mean, I know, you know, he's going to fall. He's going to get hurt. It's one of those things. It's, it's going to happen, but uh, trying to minimize the amount of injuries is, was huge to me. I, I've been on crashes where I've seen babies that like, were not sc- uh, strapped into their car seats correctly. And, you know, seeing that it's like, all right, well, when, when we get in the car, you know, is our, our seat secured correctly? Uh, are we putting him into the the seat snug enough? You know, is he going to be okay if we get into a crash? Or uh, I, I went on one where a, a car seat that was ejected from a car during a rollover. Oh my god! Walking up to there's there's people and and uh, their belongings are just everywhere. And this baby is in the car seat, and it's like wow. The car seat was was thrown from the car, but the baby is safe inside the uh, in the seat. So the the baby was still uh, you know transported and everything, but the baby was like, from what I understand, is is good. My God! Now there's I'm sure a lot of trauma that comes along with this job from seeing things like that. How do you cope with the things that you see and still perform your line of duty as both a father and this public service? A lot of people will will tell you that they can compartmentalize, you know, everything that's going on. They just uh, kind of just shut it out, and it's bad to say, but like once you've done it for long enough and been there long enough, it almost comes routine. Like going to a call, it almost comes secondhand of you know what am I supposed to do when I get there? You know, you know, go through the checklist of you know, the airway breathing circulation, you know, are, you know, does the baby breathing or is the person breathing, you know, it, it all kind of just flows together. But being a dad and being, you know, home with Parker, it's different when it's your own baby. I, I mean, I remember there's him uh, you know, kind of taking a little tumble down the steps and, you know, looking at him, it's like, all right, we need to go to the hospital. This, the amount of, he went down uh, two steps and, He's perfectly fine. There, there, there's nothing wrong with him. He's just he cried for a little a bit, and sure, it's more and scary was ready to go and, than anything, you know. Oh yeah, he was he was ready to go and start playing with his toys, and I'm like in my, I, I guess playbook in my head of of all the calls I've been on through the training is like this qualifies for a traumatic injury. Like we need to go do this, and then looking at him, he's like, no, nah, Dad, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Oh, concussion protocol. Like keep your, you know, don't let him fall asleep and this and that. Keep him upright. Uh, no, it's exactly the same. Keep him upright. Don't, you know, don't let him fall asleep. And it's like, no, oh, he's, he's good. He's uh, good. You know, babies are very, uh, he's kind of resilient. Yeah. That, that Arya fell down a few stairs. Um, when she was, 
probably Parker's age now. She actually was a little bit before because she wasn't quite walking yet, but she was crawling and learned where the stairs were and went tumbling down them when I wasn't looking like a good dad does but you know uh so i i came back and i was freaking out because oh my gosh what if she has a concussion everything was fine though and that's the thing like babies are resilient but there are still you know precautionary things that you should take into consideration and what i kind of want to think about now just in the context of your line of work and what you're talking about like what are some of the things that parents at home who are listening to this now should take into consideration to be more safe at home and, you know, on the road with their kids that might not be so obvious as like, you know, fasten your kid in their seatbelt, but like something maybe a little bit different. I'd have to say just the main thing is just keep an eye out on them. Read your baby. There was a, a time where I was giving Parker a bath and it, it, he had to be probably five or six months old and he got, he outgrown the, the tub. So he was sitting up inside the, our, you know, the adult tub. He leaned forward and hit his head on the faucet. He just hit his head on the, the, the faucet on a soft spot. Oh, I need God. to get him to the doctor to make sure everything's okay. So I, I scoop him up and I go run and get him to the hospital or the, yeah, the hospital. And they're like, Oh no, he's fine. Oh man. It's so scary though. Yeah. I, I would say if you're going out, just the, the biggest thing is just keep an eye out on them. You know, read your baby, know your baby. I, I gotta say that's the big thing. I, I've gone on on a few calls where, you know, the baby was. Uh, we got called for a choking, and by the time we got there, you know, the the parent was like, "I I just overreacted. He uh, choked on his uh, his spit and his saliva. He you know he's he's okay." That happens at a on a daily basis here in the Albisa household <laughs> with freaking Jake. He, he, that kid will just, you know, he's in the phase of trying to stuff stuff in his mouth. Like while he's eating, he's learning how to eat with his hands, right? Like he's not, he's not, we're, we're feeding him with a spoon and everything, but we practice with like those little d- dissolvable puffs. And it's the worst sound ever when that thing goes down the wrong pipe or he swallows one whole and he's like, ah, and you're like, I, I got to react. But also I don't want to go shoving my hand down their throat because that's a terrible thing that could lodge it in their throat. So uh, staying even keeled, I think, is it's hard to, to it's easier said than done, you know, but oh, absolutely. so important to stay cool. Uh, even for myself, I mean, I, I still freak out at. There was a time where Parker was doing the same thing. He choked on a, on a some spit or a, he was actually he was chewing on one of those foam letters. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought he broke off a piece of it, so just instantly I, I reached into his mouth to try and like grab something, and uh, I'm like, wait, what am I doing? I, right. I I shouldn't be reaching in and trying to grab it. Right. You have to get. You know, they have some of those suction things that you can get um, that that might work, but you know, typically that's what the baby's gag reflex is for. They'll spit it up, you know, and uh, it's it's tough, man. Um, but, yeah, learn your baby CPR and everything. Like, do you guys know baby CPR? I mean, I know that you know CPR, but, like, that versus baby CPR? Yeah, yeah every uh, two years we have to go through the American Heart Association and do their whole class of uh, CPR on adults and babies. What's the biggest difference in how you execute that? Like, because I know the whole deal with – adults but frankly babies i'm not i'm not sure the difference uh so babies depending on if it's a one rescue or two uh depends on your positioning if it's a, a single rescuer you're you're using your thumbs and kind of pushing on there 
their, their chest or the, the biggest main thing is the, the back slaps and, uh, like abdominal thrust where you right. have your, your baby's head between your middle and ring finger. You, you give five slaps on the back and then just rotate them back over and give five, uh, little compressions and then rotate that back and forth until either it's uh, dislodged or yeah like baby uh heimlich maneuvers basically yeah that's interesting um i want to kind of i want to finish up today's conversation just kind of talking about the the role that a spouse plays in your line of work and kind of this new parent uh you have a wife at home and uh she's often you know with the kid and everything while you're out doing this sort of stuff. And I'm sure that that puts a little bit of stress on the worrying that happens and so on. What do you feel is a big contributing factor in a strong relationship and partnership in situations like yours where you're working, you know, kind of dangerous public service uh, sort of jobs uh, with a a wife and a baby at home? I'm going to say trust and faith that uh, everything's going to be okay. And that, you know, if, if something happens that, you know, she's got it, you know, she's, she's got a hold of it. She knows what to do. And I got to get my wife credit. She is just an absolute rock star when it comes to motherhood. Uh, she took it on so strongly. And I, I know I definitely lean on her quite a bit. Uh, you know, when I'm gone at work, I'm gone for 24 hours at a time that, that day. She's, for the most part, alone with him, he's you know putting on weight. He's nice and strong. He's active. He's happy. He he absolutely loves his mom, and she's just doing an absolute amazing job with it. Yeah, now she she's definitely a natural mom. Like I love watching you guys do your thing when we were visiting in Ohio, and it was so fun to watch you guys. You know, I've I've watched you guys from the dating realm to the time where you got married to the point where. You know, here you guys are as as parents, and it's so fun to watch. And and you guys are doing a, a bang up job with that little boy. So so you guys got to keep it up. And, oh, thank you. And stay nice and safe out there. Um, well, again, Mike, thanks so much for your time today. I, I'm sure that a lot of folks at home who listen to this, you know, may themselves work in public service and jive with kind of what you're saying around this perspective of a parent working in. Uh, public service and some of the dangers that come along with that. But, you know, not just that, but how you handle some of the trauma and the partnership with your with your partner, with your wife, your spouse is so critical to kind of bringing everything together, that glue that that keeps everything stable. So uh, your words resonated with me and I'm sure that they will with everybody at home. So I appreciate you taking the time today to to share your perspective so thank you so much i appreciate you uh having me come on here i like you said beginning i listened to this uh, a lot of being a first-time dad and listening to everybody else's uh input on on their take at being a first-time dad and i could definitely just rely on uh listening to your podcast and, and taking advice from other people and hopefully some other people get some advice from me and the biggest thing i could say is know your baby and read what uh they're gonna they're gonna do and it's okay to freak out i mean i've been doing this in the ems field for 10 years and i still freak out when i I see something with my own son and it's different being from work and coming home oh yeah 
And and if you're freaking out, that means you give a shit, right? Like that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, if, our guest. If you're scared, it says you love them. That's right. If you're scared, oh, I love that. If if you're scared, that means that you love them. I love that. Again, our guest has been Mike Hebebrand. Thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you. Big thanks to Mike for sharing his story and perspective on today's episode. I think that the perspective of those who serve their communities and in this emergency response sort of career, they need to be brought forward because it's a really tough job. And then when you are coupling that with the context of bringing some of that home to the family, there's a lot to take into consideration. So again, Mike, thanks for sharing your story today with us and being a bit vulnerable. As we're wrapping up today's show, I want to remind you that you can become a patron and support this show in our mission to provide great content and guidance for parents all around the world by heading over to supportadad.com. It is due to our patrons' patronage that I was recently able to redo the entire Dad Chronicle website. I'm excited to announce that the dadchronicle.com has had a facelift. You can now search for your favorite conversations and different content by type, whether that be mental health issues, child development, reading, etc. By heading over to thedadchronicle.com, there are different categories there. And big thanks to our patrons who helped me afford to be able to pay for that. I've always dreamed of thedadchronicle.com being a resource center for parents, no matter what line of work or whatever background that they come from or where they may need the most help as a parent, I wanted them to go to the dadchronicle.com to be able to get whatever they needed. And this was a big step in that mission. So again, if you want to be able to support what we're doing here today, even a dollar a month, head over to supportadad.com and find a monthly payment that works well for you. And there are some really cool rewards there too. So find one that works and become a patron today. Again, over at supportadad.com. And if you'd like to chime in on anything that we talked about today, you can email the Dad Chronicle podcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. And remember, be good to yourself, be good to others. Take care. We'll see you next time. If you like this show, Check out more great content at incastmedianetwork.com.